why was Michael so legendary? Well, he got cut from his high school basketball team. We love that story. That makes it feel like it's possible. But LeBron James, it's not his fault, but he's perfect. Like physically, but that's not us. Michael Jordan was a scrawny kid from North Carolina, got cut from his basketball team. So I appreciate everything that went wrong with me because that's what helps people. Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now, before we get to this week's episode, you know I cannot do any episode without thanking you all out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are in podcast land you choose and leave me your ears once a week for about an hour or so and I hella appreciate that thank you very much now this episode is a special feature with Charlie Charlie Rocket yes the Charlie Rocket if you are on social media or if you are familiar with the industry especially with the Atlanta scene you will know Charlie by different names you might have known him as Charlie Rocket in terms of him being a Nike athlete or one of his inspirational uh, commercials or you may know him as CEO Charlie from back in the day in Atlanta's uh, music scene you may know him as Charlie who was co-founder of Street Execs or Charlie who was 2 Chainz's manager up until I think last year from what I remember him telling me in the interview and it's really interesting because I loved watching this Netflix documentary with 2 Chains and the Trap House and what I didn't know, even though I saw Charlie on it. Hold on, let me go back. The thing about Charlie is I already knew of Charlie from a distance back home in Atlanta because of the fact that Charlie was out making moves and I actually um, was aware of him through my cousin. Shout out to Chloe. And um, and Labib. Shout out to, uh, to Beeb. But... I was able to know of him from a distance. And I said, yo, that's pretty dope. He's a young cat. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, that's what's up. Like, he's doing his thing. And only to see last year, he literally steps away from the music industry, steps down from street execs, steps down being 2 Chainz manager, and he just becomes an athlete. And I'm like, and then he loses a whole bunch of weight. He's reversing brain tumors. So he's about health and sound mind, body, and spirit. And I'm like, wow, like, The transformation on this is incredible. I would love to have a conversation with Charlie about how he goes from the death of one life to rebirthing another one. Like he just, he just put it down and picked up a whole new one. Like, all right, cool. We're done with this. What about this? A lot of us are are having trouble with letting go of, of certain stages in our lives or certain habits, mindsets, and behaviors. And with Charlie, he seems to just be picking up shit, putting down, picking up, putting down, and moving forward and growing and progressing. And I was like, man, one day if I if I ever get to talk to Charlie, I'm going to pick his brain so hard. And sure enough, here we are. <laughs> and I'm so excited. And the cool thing about this interview is that Charlie actually talks about his spiritual nature. And I don't think he's done that on at least in, in depth in terms of how we did it on any other um, show. And I'm really excited to be able to bring that to you all. I mean, think about it. If you're able to see somebody is out here killing it, 
being authentic, being transparent, admitting that, you know, they're not perfect. They're not out here posturing on some social media shit. They being real honest about how they get down. Imagine being able to have this person open up their manifestation journals and share with you the process as to how they were able to get things done and transform themselves and change their lives. That's what Charlie and I do this episode. And I'm so, so happy. And I'm super grateful to Charlie for even um, agreeing to come on this podcast and um, I'm just I'm, I'm just really grateful like that that interview was easily one of the best interviews I've ever done seriously there was no script there was no predetermined questions there was no nothing we just turned on the camera and flowed and um, turned on the mic and just started chopping it up oh if you're able to watch it on video we definitely have this up on YouTube as well so you can go to spiritual homegirl on YouTube and actually watch him and I chop it up and him opening his journals. And there's a cute little dog named Beat Mama who will be making a cameo the entire time. She is so adorable. And um, it, it was just a beautiful thing. It was all love. Charlie, thank you so much for interviewing. I'm so happy. And I'm also, also, Charlie has a podcast as well. But I'll let him tell you better about what he has going on. Because, you know, who can tell a story about them better than them? So, with that being said, if you got some paper, please get some paper. If you're on your phone, open up your notes app and start taking notes because this is definitely something that you're going to want to document. So enjoy this special feature with Charlie Rocket. Peace, y'all. I am speaking with Charlie Rocket. What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> I'm super excited to be interviewing him. This is um, actually an example of manifestation. Um, he had a post that he said he was ready to interview people uh, and, and go on his own and tell his story that help transform one million lives yeah. and um I kept, I kept getting a lot of tags and I was like what are y'all tagging me to and I said oh shit it's Charlie oh my god thank y'all thank y'all sure enough Charlie hit me up and was like hey when I said I've never been happier for a man to slide in my dms that way I was like oh my god yes so thank y'all y'all are the reason why this podcast interview is even happening so with all that being said how are you I'm doing great, and you have such a loyal following, so I want to thank all your loyal following for recommending me to your show, because I love what you stand for. See, I love what he stands for, so like, where do I start? Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay, let's start from the beginning. So where, like, how did, what is Charlie's upbringing? Where are you from? I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up uh, in Shambly, and um, Atlanta is my hometown. I love it. I live in Cali now. I left to reinvent my life, but you can never take the Atlanta out of me. I love hip-hop. I come from hip-hop. For those of you who don't know, I managed two chains for 10 years. I had a company called Street Execs. I actually started off as Soldier Boy's cameraman and uh, worked my way up the ranks from holding a camera and editing videos up to uh, managing artists like Travis Porter and, and then 2 Chains. We actually won a Grammy. We have had uh, eight world tours and uh, many, many platinum records. See, I'm not new to Charlie, okay? The thing about Charlie, first off, we both Eastside representatives, DeKalb County in the house. Stand up. Please put your E's in the air if you're listening and you're from the east side of Atlanta. But I already had a familiar uh, or familiarity with Charlie because of a, a mutual link um, through Street Execs. So I already kind of seen Charlie around, um, and it's really interesting to see how I first got introduced to Charlie, even from a distance, to what he is now. So about, you know, going into the whole music piece, when did you realize that music was something that you wanted to get involved in? So growing up, I lived across the street from the high school, uh, Shambly High School, and all my friends, they started to rap. Mm -hmm. 
And I was always an entrepreneur, you know. Uh, I would have businesses at school. And I, I told my mom, I was like, Ma, like, I want to put a studio <laughs> in my bedroom, can I? And and she was like, she was like, what what are y'all going to do? I said, hip-hop. <laughs> and she's thinking to herself, like, oh, my Jesus. My, 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 my little baby wants to be in hip-hop. And I'm like, nah, Ma, it's going to be big. Hip-hop is going to be the biggest thing in the world. And she just didn't really get it. But she trusted me. And um, we'd record songs. And then I built a website. That was like an independent music website for all my friends who rapped. It was like streaming long before like Spotify and SoundCloud. This was 2005. And I was like, I had that vision. Like streaming is going to be the future. Like downloading music is stupid. And uh, it was called spitchogame.com. And it was all the young dance artists, the crank dads. And and we were having the time of our lives. And um, I went off to college, went to community college. And I, I knew school wasn't for me, but my mom only had one request. She said, just get your degree. I know all that little business stuff you do is cute and all, yeah. but just get your degree. And I remember I had just paid for my books at college, mm-hmm. and uh, I got a phone call. And it was from a guy named Brian Washington. I answered the phone. I said, hello? He said, this is Brian Washington from Interscope Records. We just signed an artist. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, Interscope is calling me. He said, we just signed an artist named Soldier Boy, and he wants you to be his cameraman and go on tour with him. Can you go? And I had just got done paying for my books. I'm literally at school. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I got to go home and tell my mom I want to drop out of school. (laughs) So I went home, told my mom. I said, Ma, so I just got a call. And uh, I need to drop out of school. She said, drop out of school for what? I said, well, Interscope Records called me, and they want me to go on tour with a rapper. Mm-hmm. And you could just imagine what's going through her head. Like, oh, my sweet baby, just on tour, rap. They're probably thinking about uh, sex, drugs, violence, you know, like. And I'm like, no, like, this is a big opportunity for me, but I need to drop out. And she took a moment to think, and she said to me, when a door opens, you got to walk through it. You can always go back to school. Aww. And I I went on tour six months later. You know, Soldier Boy is on top of the world. Right. I'm talking about he's got the number one album. He's broken every record for ringtone sales. Yeah, and I and uh, I remember he let me wear this diamond necklace. And because he wanted his crew to look good, you know, like I didn't have any money, but he wanted his crew to look good. And um, he took it back from me one day. He said something to me like, oh, I- I'm just going to uh, get it cleaned. Let me let me see that necklace. I was like, you know, OK. And then the next day, I remember we were supposed to fly to L.A. for the Jimmy Kimmel show. And uh, I didn't get my itinerary. I show up at the airport. I mean, I'm living with these people six months every day, and I didn't get my itinerary. And after a few hours passed, I just realized, I think I'm fired. At the airport? At the, <laughs> at the, at the airport. And, uh, oh, my God, that's messed up. I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even mad because I just knew I was meant for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I went home to my mom. I said, Ma, I, uh, I think I'm fired. Um, and she said, well, if you're not going to be in school, you got to pay rent. 
I'm like, Ma, I just got fired. What you mean I got to pay rent? She said, if you're not going to be in school, you got to pay rent. And I was like, okay, whatever. But I'm going to be a manager. She said, she said you're going to be a what? I said, I'm going to manage artists. She said, what do you know about managing hip-hop artists? I said, I'm going to figure it out because that's where the money's at. That whole cameraman thing, that was okay. But the managers, they're making real money. So I signed this girl group, and I got them a record deal with Interscope Records. And I feel like I'm on top of the world. Like, I can see my future. Like, we got a record deal. We're on 106 and Park. What group was this? uh, Their name was Vistoso Bosses. And they had just, uh, they didn't get that big. And I'll tell you what happened. So things are going great. We're yeah. getting off the ground. We're getting a little radio player. We're on 106 and Park. And uh, I remember at this show in Washington, D.C., they got off stage and they cussed me out. And I'm thinking to myself, what I do? They were like, you didn't give us water when we got off stage. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh, some funny business is going on. Because when people start finding things to be mad about, that means they got something else going on. Right. And come to find out, they were talking to Sierra's manager, and they left me for Sierra's manager. And they were like, well, we can't really have an 18-year-old manager. You know, we're a big group now. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, Jesus, I just can't catch a break. Like, I'm almost there. But I can't all the way get there. And um, went back to my mom's basement. My dog's about to fall off my lap. I got this little dog. I'm dog sitting for those of you watching on the camera. <laughs> um, so I go back to my mom's basement. And I said, Ma, I got fired. And she said, I knew I didn't like that hip hop business. Yeah. But she always trusts me. I said, no, nah, no, nah, Ma, don't worry. Because I got a vision. I'm from Atlanta. I need to go to the streets. We need. We don't need the little pop girl group. We need a real Atlanta artist. And I found this group on the east side of Atlanta, Indicator, and their name was Dim Hard Hitters. <laughs> and I was like, we got to change this name. <laughs> and they had it tattooed on them and everything. And we're sitting in my mom's basement, and uh, they came up with some crazy name called Travis Porter. <laughs> and Travis Porter, they were great. We um, we had three top 20 records without a record deal. We had a big bidding war. And then that's when I was in a position to grow uh, my company. And I found my business partners. And we created this company called Street Execs. And then that's when we discovered 2 Chains. And everything just took off from there. And, oh, 2 Chains' name was Titty Boy. Yeah, I remember. And, and I told him, oh, we're going to have to change this name. <laughs> <laughs> We, as the company, we we all knew that. Because he couldn't even say his name on television. But, you know, there was somebody else's name I changed, too. I'm known for changing names. Roscoe Dash. So Roscoe Dash's name was ATL. And uh, I remember I was just in my mom's basement a couple days ago uh, during Thanksgiving. And I have a wall where everybody signs a wall, like thousands and thousands of signatures. Because that was the Spitcho Game basement, the Spitcho Game studios. And I remember... He, had, he wrote his name down, and that's where we recorded All the Way Turned Up, was in my really? mom's basement. Dope. That's so dope. And I remember when he came down there, he signed the wall as ATL. I was like, man, if we're going to work together, which we, he ended up firing me as well. Um, if we're going to work together, uh, you got to change your name. And um, he changed it to Roscoe Dash. So that's my little hip-hop story. Um, 
shout out to Atlanta for making all my dreams come true and allowing me to make a few artists' dreams come true as well. See, that's how you that's how you intro yourself. Did y'all hear that? Atlanta representative, Eastside representative, change your names, change your lives, change your... I got to ask you, though. I changed my name a couple times, too. What was it? Uh, CEO Charlie. I remember that. That was Charlie Rocket. And, uh, yeah, I just like changing names. I feel you. So it seems like transformation is always been your thing. I just got to ask for the sake of my audience, because we. I, I know I want to know, so I know they want to know. Mm-hmm. When's your birthday? April 6th. And he's a what? Aries. Shout out, because I'm the 13th Aries in the house. You know, earlier <laughs> when, you, when you were talking about retrograde, I was uh-huh. about to ask you, when's your birthday? <laughs> so uh, it's Sagittarius season, and all my best friends are Sagittarius. I got a couple of Sag, like, loved ones, so I feel you. You know, again, you know, the awesomeness of Aryan people. I mean, do you do you, do you you feel this? I know you do. <laughs> but um, Mercury, I think, if I remember correctly, is in Sagittarius right now, but we can talk about that on another episode. Um, it's not necessarily a transit to really trip out about, because if I remember correctly, um, it's in it's it's weak, it's weak and sad. Mm. So it's nothing that's gonna turn your life all the way upside down. Well, it depends. Everybody's different. But um, just out of curiosity, going back to your whole story, I think you've mentioned being fired like four times. <laughs> so there are some people who can't get they can't handle being fired once. Mm. So after being fired over and over and over again. At some point, were you ever like, damn, this isn't going to work? Like, how did you keep a positive attitude? Yeah, I would feel like it wouldn't work a lot. Um, but my my little secret, and I don't know if this was God-given or if it's something I learned how to do myself or maybe both, is I just act like a child. Like, I'm a grown man, 30 years old, right. but I'm a kid, and a child thinks everything is possible and just wants to try something and doesn't have a measuring stick for consequences. Like, a, 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 like I'm like, yeah, I just want to retire from hip-hop and become an athlete. And I did it. And if my mind thought about all the things that can go wrong, like an adult would think about, well, have you thought this through, Charlie? Like, how are you going to make money? And I'm like, no, I want to retire from music. And I remember when I went to my business partners, I went to Two Chains. I was like, yep, I'm going to retire. I want to walk away from the business and become an athlete. And this was this time last year, October 4th, which my life has changed a few times on October 4th. So I'll tell you this um, random thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Soldier Boy's tour, the day I got fired, his tour, it was the last day of his tour, um, ended in Atlanta. On October 4th, the day I got fired. Two chains broke his leg. I remember. The first date of his tour was in Atlanta. A few days before the tour started, he broke his leg. So the first few dates of the tour were pushed to the very end. Mm-hmm. The last date of his tour was October 4th at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's the day I retired 10 years later. So 2007, October 4th, I got fired. That's when I started my hip-hop management journey. And October 4th, 2017 is when I retired. Perfectly 10 years to the day. That is wild. Talk about a full circle. Because that tour was successful. I mean, there was, I remember seeing a documentary on Netflix about that, about that entire tour. I was in it. 
so I remember, and I'm just like, how do you walk away? Because that tour was was fire. So how do you how do you say, you know what? This was great. I'm done. Like, were you thinking about it previously? Like, like, how do you go from that? Well, everything in my life, um, it was like business for me was amazing, and I love business. Um, I'll never not love business, but I was on a path to an early death. I was 305 pounds. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and I was trapped by food. I had a food addiction, binge eating. And um, food is a really bad thing to be addicted to. I mean, all drugs are bad, but food is something you need to live, and it's everywhere. Like, you know, you don't walk down the street and see, like, stores or billboards for heroin like food is literally everywhere so it's a very tough thing to be addicted to and it's a real addiction and it will kill you um my family they they for good reason because i had artists get shot and killed like bankroll fresh and young Dolph has been shot at and two chains has been shot at i've been shot at and um i've I've researched how many gun deaths there were each year and on Google 22,000 deaths and I'm like wow that's a lot like 22 people are in the grave because of guns and I'm off in the middle of it with hip hop but then I looked up on Google I said how many deaths per year from cardiovascular disease 600,000 and I told my family I'm going to die from the violence in our kitchen long before I'm going to die from hip-hop. Like, there's more violence going on right here in our homes. Y'all don't have to worry about me and hip-hop. That's not what's going to hurt me. Food is going to kill me because, I mean... My body was so imbalanced. I was so sick with a brain tumor and just binge eating. I would eat 10, 15,000 calories in a night. Mm. And I would wake up the next day and my whole body would be bruised and sore because of I would expand so much. Like I would go from wearing a size, you know, 2X to a size 4X overnight just because of the expansion mm. that if I just touched my skin, it would hurt. Because, I mean... Food, food can really inflame you and right. cause an imbalance, and, and you can, you know, eat. Like, I don't know how I was able to physically do it, but somehow my mind would go into the addiction mode to where it would just eat so much, and I would never get full. But um, food was, uh, business was a trap for me. The success of business led to food. The deal making of business led to food, like we would go out for a, a lunch meeting, right. or the stress of business mm-hmm. would lead to food. Because when you're stressed, you want to associate with the thing that you do when you celebrate, right. and that's food. Right. So that's why we go to food when we're stressed out, because it's something that's going to make us feel good in the moment. Because that's what we eat when we're celebrating. Right. And uh, I said to myself, I have to build a business around myself that's going to save my life instead of kill my life. Me being in hip-hop was amazing. I loved it. But I was going to die from food. Mm -hmm. I had to become an athlete, which was my childhood dream, by the way. I wanted to always be an athlete, but I was always too chubby. Mm -hmm. 
But I said, if I build a business around me being an athlete, then that business will save my life because I love to work and my dream was being an athlete. And at the time, it didn't make any sense. Like, third, 29-year-old man, how are you going to be an athlete? Right. Well, I just figured it out, and this year was amazing. I became a, a Nike athlete, and I, I did an Ironman. Congratulations. And I, thank you. And I biked across America. I saw. I was like, yeah, you better do that shit. Okay. We, we biked right through Atlanta, and I was in the Colin Kaepernick Nike commercial as well. That so. Okay, so going back to the brain tumor, when were you diagnosed with that? I was first diagnosed when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. and it was under control. Benign brain tumor. Um, I had suffered from migraine headaches for years in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be at school, and right after lunchtime, my migraines would come on, and I never understood why, like what it had to do with lunch. And I went to a doctor, and he was like, oh, you have migraines, here's migraine med- medicine and I'd have to go home every day um and 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 get under the bed and put the pillows around the bed and everybody would have to get out of the house I was sensitive to light sensitive to sound and I would have to ride it out for like three or four hours and this went on for two years and one day I just got fed up and I went over to my grandfather's house and I said I said Jiddi uh, that's Arabic for grandfather. Um, I'm half Lebanese. And um, I said to him, I said, man, I just can't take this anymore. I think I need to find a new doctor. Can you take me to the hospital? Mm-hmm. He took me to the hospital, and I had this pain in my left eye and didn't know why. Um, the eye doctor looked right into my eye, and she said, I remember her name. Her name was Dr. Cantor Weiner. I'll never forget her name. And she said, I think you have a brain tumor. And she could see it by looking into my eye. What? And um, had an MRI, was diagnosed. My family was terrified. I I went into, like, this depression. I I stopped going to school. But the medicine worked, and it was was fine um, for years, up until about two years ago. I had a... I was just so sick and, and overweight and this imbalance in my body. And one day I was at Two Chains' house here in, in California, and I woke up and I passed out. And immediately I said to myself, oh, I think something's wrong with my brain tumor. But I didn't want to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I had called my mom, and I said, Ma, I want you to come in town um, to visit me because I was just scared. I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't tell her, but I just wanted to be around her. And I got an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. The Airbnb was this this place right here. Really? And it was my favorite place in the world. And when I walked in here, I said to my mom, I said, I want to live here one day. And, like, this place just felt like the vibe. It just felt at home. Mm-hmm. I just saw my future here. And I was sitting right there on that couch, and something told me to watch a documentary. I'm from the South. Being vegan is not what... You know I know. I already know. But something just told me to watch a documentary. Right. And I watched it. And it was called Forks Over Knives. That's the same one I saw. Really? Yes. (laughs) And and immediately I just flipped the switch. And I knew that my brain tumor had to be caused from food. And when I replayed all the memories in my mind of high school and the migraines and everything I'd been going through, 
It was always right after lunch that food, eating unhealthy, was causing this imbalance in my body. I went vegan immediately, and I've reversed my brain tumor. I still have it, but it's 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 under control, and um, my body's as healthy as it's ever been. And you know, lost 130 pounds. And Congratulations! Thank you. So that's um, that's that's just that transformation that I just knew I had to reinvent my life. And if that meant hip hop was just one chapter, then I'm gonna create another one. Athlete, why not? Why not reinvent? Like why? Why? When when I was at my sickest, darkest moment, I said I kept saying to myself, my story isn't over yet. My story isn't over yet, and. uh that's what I did. I wanted to make a whole new person. And, and I did it in about a year and a half. That is so dope. So for some people that are dealing with um, issues in terms of their health and they feel like they can't seem to get disciplined, or I want to do better, but it's really hard, what advice would you give people that have these issues that are caused by food? Well, I mean, a lot of issues are caused by food, you know. But what would you tell them in terms of getting them on the right track? The very first thing that I did was I shifted my mindset from thinking something's going to be hard mm-hmm. to it's going to be easy. Like when I would do diets in the past, I would say to myself, all right, this is going to be hard. So I got to be focused. But the very first thing in my mind is this is going to be hard. Right. So then I would like, okay, I got to grind because, because it's going to be so hard. So I just got to, I just got to grind. And I shifted my mindset to saying, this is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I got this. I'm eating healthy. Oh, that's easy. You know, like, and I, I said, I said to myself, I don't want sweets. I want my life to be sweet. Right. I said, I want, I, I don't want sweets. I want taking my shirt off at the beach to be sweet. Right. You know, so I had to reframe what I wanted to be sweet because sweets were my, you know, that was, that was the toughest thing for me. And another thing I did was, I always want to be full. New life rule. I always want to be full. Because when I would do diets, I would always, like, restrict. Mm-hmm. Like, like eat less calories. Mm-hmm. And I had done that my whole life, and it wasn't working. So I was like, what's the opposite of dieting? Well, let's be full all the time. Right. So I was like, what foods can I eat unlimited amounts of until I get full? Right. And I saw that in a pound of cashews... There's 3,000 calories for a pound of cashews. Oh, wow. Guess how many calories are in a pound of strawberries? Uh, 300? 145. Wait, what? Yep. 145 calories in a pound? In a pound. Okay, I can see that because it's a lot of water, isn't it? It's a lot of water. So it's going to fill your stomach up and it's got that fiber so the water doesn't just flush through you. Like you actually get full. And then I said, I wonder how many, and on Google, there's a great little tool. You just type in how many pounds in a potato mm-hmm. or a sweet potato, and it pulls up without even going to a website. It tells you right at the top of Google. So it's a nice like calculator built into Google. I was like, wow, in a sweet potato, there's only 350 calories in a pound. So if I eat like two sweet potatoes, I'm going to be full. That's like, right. you know, if I eat two pounds of sweet potatoes, that's a lot of sweet potatoes. Right. I'm going to be so full before I eat a whole bunch of calories to where in oil, 4,000 calories per pound. 
potato chips, 2,500 calories per pound. So I just made a list of all the foods that were like 300 to 500 calories per pound. And like, you know, broccoli and stuff like that. That's like 50 calories per pound. So I just find a way to make them taste good. I'm not just eating salads all day, you know, but I I, I do want my food to taste good. So those were the shifts that I made. Wow, that was some really good advice. I mean, just not even necessarily for like weight loss, but just healthier eating. Because a lot of us will eat stuff. We'll eat the wrong thing. We'll be And we will be full, but it's full of the wrong That's right. stuff. So, I mean, I got some strawberries in my bag. Now I'm, I'm like, trying to do, like, the math. Like, okay, well, that's not quite a pound. That's, like, half a pound. So that's, mm-hmm. so that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so you've retired from the music industry. And how did your company or your, or your colleagues take that, your artists? Like, how, how was that? Was that an easy transition? The conversation was not easy. But during the conversation, I said, I said this one thing that I think made sense to everybody. I said, this isn't my practice life. This is my only one. And when I said that, the conversation turned around, and I think they understood that I was serious about saving my life. And, you know, I know a lot of people, they would be like, hey, sign me up for the brain tumor. I want money. You know, like if somebody doesn't have money, They'll be willing to have other things. I'll be 305 pounds if you give me the, you know, give me the $15 million business. And I understand that because it's very hard to tell somebody that, you know, money isn't important if they don't have it. So I don't like people who do that. I don't like people who say money is not important. It is extremely important because if somebody doesn't have it, they can't hear anything beyond that point. So money is important. And I appreciate everything that happened in my life, like. It led me to be able to help people because the things that go wrong are actually what helps people. Being perfect doesn't help anybody. Like, we don't need another perfect person. And I thought about it like, who's the most influential man on the face of the earth or in the history of the earth? Maybe Jesus. He wasn't very popular. He had like 12 followers. But he didn't come up on a horse with a sword and armor, and he wasn't perfect. He was a carpenter. He hung out with poor people. And yet, that was the most influential person. Huh. So is being perfect what truly helps people? And I did a little Google search. What's the number one superhero franchise in the world? Spider-Man. The one guy who doesn't have muscles. The one guy who doesn't know how to pay rent. You know, like the one guy who's just a regular kid yeah. is the number one grossing. And I was like, well, what's the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James? Why was Michael so legendary? Well, he got cut from his high school basketball team. Mm-hmm. We love that story. That makes it feel like it's possible. But LeBron James, it's not his fault, but he's perfect. Like, physically, but that's not us. Michael Jordan was a scrawny kid from North Carolina, got cut from his basketball team. So I appreciate everything that went wrong with me because that's what helps people. I think that's really dope. I think at the end of the day, we do want somebody that we can relate to. And the fact that we aren't perfect, that kind of makes for um, for a – well, how do I say it? It makes for – a better relatability and loyalty, honestly, Mm -hmm. because you can see yourself in that person. So I think that's really dope. So going back to, you said, it's not my practice life. I got to bounce. I love y'all. I got to make moves. So how did it go from, okay, 
we're done to it's time to be an athlete. Like, what did you do? The, the first thing I did was I had to conserve money. And luckily, my whole life, like, through music and everything, I saved my money. I believed, like, not to live a fancy or flashy life. I would, like, invest every penny I made. I didn't have, like, uh, you know, I'd have a regular nice car, not like a nice, nice car. Like, I would never buy a Ferrari or anything like that, but I wanted to buy real estate. So when I retired, um, yeah, I, I was able to work my way up to being a millionaire, but I moved into a house with four other people. I was a roommate. And most people might think, oh, you're crazy. Like, you were two change manager. Why are you living with people? I'm like, I want to be an athlete. I've got to conserve. Like, this is unrealistic to um, do what I'm doing, so I have to live unrealistically. And me living unrealistically would be, I'm going to live with four people, because realistic would be go spend money on a house. But I wanted to conserve, so I, I cut back on my expenses. I just wanted to chase my dreams. And I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I knew if I helped enough people, I'd be protected. And that's what I've dedicated my life to. And I know it sounds easy. It's not. I still don't exactly know where, you know, my career is going to go. I don't exactly know how I'm going to make money. But, you know, I wake up every day and I try. Like today, I, I, I released a podcast. I started my own podcast. And I'm number six on the top charts right now. And Yay. and I, nine months ago, I bought that microphone and I would look at it every day. And I was too scared to talk into it because I was afraid of not being good. Right. When you're kind of somebody and you have to start from nothing, anytime you start something, you know, it's, 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 you're not going to be good at it at first. Right. And I was afraid of that. But I got over my fear and I just did it. And I guess it's a lot like a roller coaster. I've never ridden on a roller coaster. I'm too scared to ride on a roller coaster. But... Everybody says when you, you know, you're scared and then you do it and then right after you're like, let's do it again, you know, and it wasn't that scary after all. And now that I've like released my podcast, it's like, okay, let me figure out how I'm going to run my business and how I'm going to make money doing this. I'm still figuring it out. I'm in the process. I don't have it figured out yet, but I will. Just like with music, I bumped my head so many times. You know, I'm going to be an athlete. Yeah, I'm a Nike athlete, but I've got to make some real income, you know. So I'm on my journey. I'm figuring it out, probably just like everybody. I love that. Like, it's amazing how things kind of bring you around to where you're supposed to be. So it sounds like the whole, the music period, 10 years in, right? Well, Mm -hmm. 10 plus years in, Mm -hmm. it brought you to, well, let me ask you, do you believe that being an athlete and being on the mission to transform one million lives, which I want to get into mm-hmm. in just a minute, do you think that that's your, your soul work? Because some people have their purpose where they're like, this is what I'm here to do. Oh, 100%. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's transforming people's lives. There's, there's a couple different ways to do it. What spoke to me was I want to transform people's lives through action. I don't want to talk like I'm going to talk. I'm going to like, but I want to like live by example and then teach the lessons and then touch people. That's why I wanted to bike across America. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can, I can go tell everybody on the internet, you know, like, uh, this is what you should do, or this is how, what can help you. But, but I wanted to bike across America to chase my dream 
And at the same time, touch everybody as I'm going to teach them the lessons through what I've learned in the past or what I'm currently going through. And um, that's just what I envision for my life. I just want to do these missions. I want to lead by example. People see the growth and success, and they'll be like, wow, that's inspirational. And then they'll also see, wow, he's going through something. And that's also inspirational to know somebody is going through what I'm going through. So I feel in order to transform lives, we have to be the people. Like, you can't be some perfect person. Yeah, you can have influence on people's lives. But to transform them, they need to know you go through the same things they're going through. And if we could teach them how to overcome it Mm -hmm. in real time, that's what will stick other than just some motivational speaking event, which I I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He said, Charlie, you know what my problem with motivators and motivational speaking events are? And I said, what? He said, when, when I'm listening to them, I get really hyped up, and I feel like I'm the man in that moment. Right. And then I go home, and I am just, like, lose it. Like, it's like, what do I do? Or, like, I just feel alone. And I said, that sounds a lot like the strip club. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, you were at the strip club, and you felt like, oh, man, I'm the man. And then you go home, and you're like, I'm all by myself. Yeah, I'm broke. And I'm broke. And I was like, we need something that really does transform. Like, you shouldn't feel alone when you leave. Yeah. You know, and that's what I want to do. I want to live the example that's ongoing so you never feel alone. I love that. And what's so called about you saying the whole empowerment events is because I have a little bit of a bone to pick with some of those events, too, because it's like. You pay your money. Some people pay their last. They pay their last hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. And they try to sell you something. Else. They try to sell you something. Number one, and then you leave with a lot of good words. But it's like, who checks on you when that's over with? Mm-hmm. Like, is there like a follow up or a support system afterwards? And most times, it isn't. It's get the check, pay mm-hmm. your speakers, everybody go home, you recoup mm-hmm. your money, and that's that. So I kind of I, I feel you with that. It is for me. I kind of I think that's why I've shied away. From mm-hmm. uh, motivational speaking events, it's different, you know, when you motivate people, mm-hmm. but it's a difference when you're on stage and you have your course or your mm-hmm. products ready and you're like, hey, you like what I heard? You just gave me an idea. What? You just gave me an idea. What? So I want to speak because I want to be in front of people, right. but I have that same problem you have. It's like, how do we last with them? So maybe, maybe what I'll do is... I'll, each motivational speaking event will become like a chapter, like, and I'll have a head of that chapter, and we'll have a group form on the website mm-hmm. that everybody can be a part of. So when we leave, we can all still communicate, check our accountability with each other, connect with each other. So it's like now every say there was five hundred people there. Mm-hmm. Now those five hundred people there. Now it's a chapter, and everybody is a part of it. Right. And somebody is following up, communicating, connecting people with each other. So people aren't just walking out of the room going their separate ways. Right. Now we keep them together, even though I've left. I like that idea. Damn, you just came up with that on the spot. Has it always just kind of been how your mind works? You're like, yo, got an idea. Well, you just you just created a problem. And I'm like, well, like, how do I solve this for myself? Like, I'm not a, I'm not a genius. Like, I'm just, I just want to, I just want to see if there's an answer to the problem. And it's like, you said, you know, we, we, we just go our separate ways. And I was like, well, how do we just solve that? Well, a form, you know, like, let's create a, a, a group chat. Everybody there. Yeah. 
like how that just came about. Like literally, you're like problem, solution. That is so dope. So how did the whole Nike piece come about? So how did I mean? When, what made you say, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna bike across America, and that that's just what it's gonna be. Like, what made you decide on that particular thing to do? Just being a kid. That's all. Um, so the Nike thing. We'll start with that. I was like, I want to be a Nike athlete. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, Nike is a super inspirational company. I love Nike. And I said to myself, because I believe in the law of attraction and manifestation yeah. in a major, major way. And I said to myself, okay, if when I was eight and I wanted to become a businessman, I gave myself a name, CEO Charlie. Mm-hmm. I gave myself an outfit, mm-hmm. a suit, and I would wear it to school every day with my briefcase. That's so dope. <laughs> and what did I become? A successful businessman. So then when I wanted to reinvent my life, Mm -hmm. I said, well, I need to give myself a name. I want to be an athlete. Charlie Rocket. I need to give myself an outfit. I would put on my glasses with little rockets and my bandana and my colorful clothes. And I dressed up like Charlie Rocket every day. And what did I become? An athlete. Then I said, if I want to become a Nike athlete. I need to do the same thing. I need to dress up like a Nike athlete. Well, what do Nike athletes do? They wear Nike head to toe, and they have commercials. So I said, if Nike athletes have commercials, I'm going to make a Nike commercial. And and it has to inspire people, for one, because that's what Nike commercials do. Mm -hmm. And I hope Nike sees it. And I made it, and I put it out, and Nike saw it, and they said, that was really inspirational. We want to meet you. And it led the company into a whole new direction based off of what I did. And that's where the Colin Kaepernick thing came from. And um, I created another uh, fan-made Nike commercial called Dream Crazy. They actually named the Colin Kaepernick commercial after that. So if you Google, if you YouTube um, the Colin Kaepernick commercial, they titled it Dream Crazy. And, um, yeah, that's how it all worked out. They gave me this, if you're watching. They gave me this astronaut backpack. Um, it's right here. I can hold it. They gave me um, this cool case and a typewriter that's over there and a letter. Uh, but here's a letter that they wrote me. That is so fire that the packet came in. <laughs> they, they put the typewriter in the box. The box came in the astronaut backpack and these shoes. But they wrote me this letter. I took it out of the typewriter. But it said, hey, Charlie, we see you. You've shown us that belief is irresistible, that the crazy dreams are the ones that keep us going, that the skeptics cannot bring us down. We know that sport teaches us to believe in irrational dreams and that if we can chase those irrational dreams, we can change the world. We watched you run three marathons, lose 120 pounds. We saw you become an Ironman. We even saw you bike across America. But we also know that your story isn't over yet. Here's a little something from us to get you started on your journey to 305. Nike running, just do it. So, yeah, I have like this like romantic relationship with Nike. We write each other letters. I can tell. I was like, that was so beautiful. I was like, we see you. We admire you. We believe in you. Here's some gifts for you with love. Nike. <laughs> That's really dope. Okay. So I want to go back to the the law of attraction. Mm. The way I look at the law of attraction is I look at the law of vibration as like the pre-K to the kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it, well, the way that the law actually is, is 
um, you have to vibrate. Well, everything has a vibration. Mm-hmm. And whatever is put forth at that vibration, you receive at that vibration. So how does Charlie keep his vibration high? Because, I mean, clearly to get all of this, okay. you have to be vibrating on some real, like, next level shit. So what do you do? There was a few things uh, how, I, how I looked at it. And I started off, it started off by accident. Mm-hmm. I was, um, when I went vegan, um, I started eating, eating food that was alive. And I, I said to myself, I want to, if I'm dying and you are what you eat, is what I'm eating dead or alive? Ooh, that's such a. So I would look at salt. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's dead. It could sit there for 10 years and still be able to eat it. Um, oil, meat, um, these things are dead. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if something's dead, it has a very low frequency. Like, say our eyes were no longer eyes, but instead, like, energy radar detectors like this notepad is like very low energy coming off of it where this dog or you very high energy and it's like frequency reaches and i said well with food um this uh dead ground beef or an orange it's like low frequency high frequency so when i ate high frequency i went to the next level of being able to attract things when I was thinking about them positively. And the next thing I did, um, so all these crazy things were happening in my life, and I needed an answer for it, and this guy walked into my life and taught me about quantum physics. And I just got like, I just went down like that rabbit hole of like quantum physics and and how energies and frequencies work. And, you know, I just kind of came to this conclusion that what you just said, it's like a radio station. It's like, I want to turn to, are most of your followers in Atlanta? Or they're all over? Well, they're all over, but, you know, hometown. Hometown. So if I tune to 94.5. Street. Street. If I turn to 94.5, I get 94.5. Because it's the frequency. There's something out there that has a certain frequency. So when I tune myself to that frequency, Mm -hmm. I'm able to hear it. Or say I want to listen to pop music, 99.7. And then, oh, I got 99.7 because I tuned myself to that frequency. And I learned that my heart is crazy powerful. I had no idea that the heart had so much intelligence. And I learned that the frequency really comes from the heart, way more than the brain. Like like if we were talking about an instrument. So they saw that the, the field that comes off of the brain is like three feet. But the field that comes off of the heart is like eight feet. And that's just what they can measure. It might go way further, but they can't measure it further. And I was like, wow. So when we operate from the heart, when we want something, when we're in that desperate situation and we're just like praying to God and we just want it so bad, that's our heart speaking. But when we just kind of want something, oh, that would be nice. That's our brain. So when I operated from the heart, I knew I could like tune it to its frequency. You know how powerful the heart is? Um, if you told me to point at myself and I did this, you would think I'm weird because people usually point here like, oh yeah, like me, but we're pointing here. We don't point here. We don't point here. We don't point here. We've always point here. Now, if I said these words, you probably think I was a lunatic. Follow your mind. It just sounds weird. It feels weird. We instinctively as humans know to say, follow your mind. Every time. Now, did anybody teach us that? No. It's just in us. 
It's just who we are to know to say, follow your heart. So that means our heart has intelligence. And when I started tuning and listening to it, I do this thing and I'll show you some examples. Um, let me get some notebooks real quick. I have, cool. I have every notebook from when I was a child. And uh, like this one, for example. I do every morning, every morning I write my quantum possibilities. Okay? Mm -hmm. And this is when I tune my heart in the morning. So this was from this time last year before anything has really happened in my life. And I'll show you some things that have come true. Um, let's see. <laughs> Look, it says, I need a full-time cameraman. Okay? Mm -hmm. So let me show you how this plays out. Every day... I would write that. Um, I, I said, cameraman will film the most epic story of my life. And I don't have a cameraman at the time. I was interviewing people. Yeah. Every, no, I couldn't afford these guys. Or these guys weren't talented. Or he was either an editor only or cameraman only. Right. Just, I'm from Atlanta where people are like resourceful. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Right. Here. So I would write in here that I want to find my cameraman. And I'll show you how it played out. And I'll do this every day. And oh, so hire a full-time cameraman to create content. I'm just like looking for it, looking for it. I'll even say things like something huge will happen today. Ah, here it is. So I was getting frustrated. I had a meeting the night before with a friend of mine, and he told me, he said, Charlie, what you're looking for, it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Like within your budget. Right. He's like, you're in L.A. Like, the cameraman who you want to do what you want to do, you're going to be paying seven grand a month. I'm like, I ain't got seven grand a month. Yeah. God, that's too much money. And I got so mad. And I told my friend, I said, tomorrow, I'm going to find my cameraman. Mm -hmm. And I was operating from here. Like, right. I was pissed. And I said, I don't like when somebody tells me something's not possible. Right. I go home. The next morning, I'm sitting in front of, I wasn't living here, but I was sitting in front of my fireplace, and I wrote, cameraman and editor search and found today, it will be easy. I'm sitting on my couch. A cameraman walked through my front door. What? <laughs> my roommate has never hung out with a cameraman. He's just like in the health industry. Or yeah. Something. Like he's like natural food, whole foods type yeah. stuff. And... This guy walked in with him, and he was holding a video camera. I said, you do videos? He said, yeah, you know, I'm a freelance <laughs> guy. You know, like, I do a little here and there. Yeah. And I was like, can I see your work? I pulled up his website. I said, let me talk to you. It was good. It was real good. And I said, so what's your situation? He said, I've been having a hard time paying my rent, just like jobs here and there. Just It's just tough. I'm freelance. Never know where the next job is coming from. I said, I want to hire you. I wrote in my notebook this morning that I was going to find my guy. And you walked through my front freaking door. Right. I've been interviewing everybody in the city, and nobody's as talented as you. The very first commercial we made, the very first thing we filmed, was the Nike commercial that got me my Nike deal. The wow. The very first one. And he said to me, he said, you know what's crazy, Charlie? I was meeting with my friends a week before I met you. And we were sitting around game planning. He was, and out of frustration, he said... 
why aren't we the ones filming the Nike commercials? It's always these young kids filming them. And wow. he's 36 years old, and he feels like the new wave of young guys are getting all the jobs. Right, right. And now we film Nike commercials. That's so dope. Ah, manifestation. I love it. Alignment. Do y'all hear that? I also have in here, which is the craziest thing. I don't know where it is. I'll find it. Um, the craziest thing. If I wrote in my notebook, me, you're looking at me. Visually, I'm going to be in a commercial with LeBron James and Serena Williams. I write that in my notebook. Yeah. Because I believed it. Right. I ended up in a commercial with LeBron James and Serena Williams. That's the most furthest out thing ever. But I said right here, my cameraman will change my life. Wow. I said right here, let's see. I'm going to show you some crazy stuff. Like I write things like, um, I am excited to work with Oprah. So, okay, congratulations in advance. The, the craziest thing happened with this. I would write it every day. I'll show you many, many a pages. Yeah. Um, Oprah is excited to work with me. Like, I write it every day. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. So, I'm sitting there speaking with um, my friend George. Mm -hmm. And I said, George, I want to work with Oprah. He's like, oh, yeah, that's cool, yeah. I was like, no, like, I really want to work with her. Two minutes later, this lady walks by in the office. Her name is Anna. Mm -hmm. George hasn't seen her in 15 years. Oh, wow. Says, Anna, come over here. I want you to meet Charlie. And he's like, Charlie, tell her your story. This is before I had any videos, anything. Yeah. I said, I said, um, I said, well, yeah, that's my story. I'm Charlie. Da -da. She starts writing down. So I said, what you writing down? She said, um, well, um, in a couple hours, I'm about to meet with the Oprah's people. <laughs> That's I, wild. I looked at George like, that was fast. Oprah's producer of 25 years, uh -huh. Lisa Minor, is on my team. She produces, she produced my entire tour across America. What? All the give back stuff we do. And I would write down that I want to work with Oprah. And God sent me the lady who produced Oprah. That made is so Oprah. Ew. Great. I'm getting chills. This is, this is, I tune my heart in the morning. I tell you, I, I tune to that frequency. And I didn't have any relationships with Nike. I didn't have any relationships with the Oprah. I, I just tuned my heart. And it came. And it always comes. Um, Nike wants to work with me. Like, this is, this is, like, this is, Nike wants to work with me. Um, just... I just do this every morning. Look, I will work with Nike. I will work with Oprah to help people. And it just comes. Um, I could go on forever. I have, I will be a Nike athlete. Like the most far out wow. unrealistic things ever. Wow. And I'm able to get them. And I can't say it was me who mm -hmm. got them because it's bigger than me. Right. It was me tuning to a certain frequency and it came. And everybody always prescribes dream bigger. Yeah. I would like to prescribe something else. Believe bigger. Because the more I believe that magic is going to happen, mm -hmm. the more it comes true. Oh, that is so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Like, damn, that's dope. I didn't know if you knew all this about me, but I'm really into that stuff. I should have I should have been appealing to have you on the show a long time <laughs> ago if I known you was with the shits like that. I, I used to not be. All this is new to me. Really? 
Oh, like this is all in the past year. In the past, I used to think I was the one doing all the work. Right. Like one plus one is supposed to equal two. Right. But when I started eating living things, my frequency changed. All of a sudden, weird things were happening. And I'm like spooked out by like, how is this happening? (laughs) And then when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Right. A guy who's a master of quantum physics. He came up to me. He said, just by the way you talk, I could tell you're very quantum. I said, what does that mean? Yeah. He said, well, like energy, like quantum physics explains a lot about energy and how things attract. And he said, your whole life, you've been able to do some crazy things. He doesn't even know me. And I said, yeah. And um, he said, I could read your energy. And he said, he said, you're either going to be the president of the United States or you're going to be the president of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And I pulled out this notebook right here. This is the second note. This is another notebook. Oh, chapter seven, president. It was, it, was, it was something I wrote, and he could feel it. Like, he could just feel, he just knew it through my energy. Right. Like, this is energy speaking. He said, quantum physics proves that there are no secrets. If we're all energy, then we're all connected. Yes! If we're all connected, there are no secrets. Oh, I love it! I love it! I love it! That's what I say with spiritual hunger all the time. Like, we're all connected. So I feel like we all can relate to each other, and I feel like if we better ourselves, we can ultimately better the world around us, which is ultimately each other. You know, like each one, teach one, reach one. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that's dope. I had a similar story, but mine was actually a little darker. Um, I was actually going through um, my Saturn return. I was really um, unsure. You mm-hmm. know how it goes when you reprogram what you thought was true and you have to kind of relearn things. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard pill to swallow. So I was in the process of choking on that pill at the time. Mm-hmm. So one of the guys, I went to this metaphysical festival in Atlanta that was mm-hmm. over Memorial Day weekend a few years back. And this guy walks up to me, and he makes, like, a whole bunch of, like, wands and pendulums and, mm-hmm. and organite pendants and things like that. And he walked up to me and read me, like, he like he didn't drag me, but, like, he kind of just saw through mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I was so shook. I, I was in tears, and I walked away. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, like, this is this is too much. And then um, about a year later, I ended up finding him, and I was like, thank you so much. And he's mm-hmm. been, like, a mentor of mine ever since. Wow. So... Like when the when the student is ready, the mm-hmm. teacher will appear. So I totally agree with you a thousand percent. So a uh, thing I'm I'm noticing in your story is the whole rebranding piece. You don't have any relationships with people. And I know there's a lot of people that are um, trying to do. Well, not trying. I don't want to say trying. They're in progress mm-hmm. of launching brands, whether it's personal brands mm-hmm. or whether it's. A, a revamp of their life, whether it's public or private, or it is a business or what have you. So what would you tell people that are struggling to get whatever new thing they have off the ground without relationships and without visibility? Mm. Um, so a little insight. When I wanted to get Travis Porter off the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's my first group. I'm living in my mom's basement. Um we were recording on a $100 microphone with a quilt hanging from the ceiling into GarageBand. Wow. Three top 20 records off of that microphone. Dope. How did I do it? Well, I didn't have money. So what was free to me was talking to people on MySpace. And I just wanted to run the play. 
I didn't want to be some expert, smart businessman. I wanted to be the factory worker. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to put the widget on the sprocket over and over and over and over. And I would leave comments on people's MySpace pages, starting with Gwinnett County, because that's where all the teen parties were, yeah. and then and then um, over on the east side. Yeah. And I would just find people who were friends, and I would like them, and then I'd follow them, comment. And I would do that eight hours a day. And we worked our way all the way up at the time to the MySpace top charts, number one on the unsigned top charts. It was always us and YG, back and forth, back okay. and forth. So then I was ready to get into the physical world. Like that started working. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to pass out CDs every single night outside of clubs. In my suit, rain and pouring rain, club would let out at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm passing out CDs, passing out CDs, saying the best thing I can say to make sure people wouldn't throw it on the ground. I would give them that enthusiasm. And a lot of people were like, man, you're CEO Charlie. Like you're the business owner. Why are you passing out CDs? I'm like, I'm going to do it best. I'm going to do it myself. Like the street team people, they'll like be lazy and then put it in the back of their car. Nobody will know they threw the CDs away. Right. Like I paid a lot of money for these CDs. Right. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to be that factory worker. And we were able to work our way up from, you know, $200 a show to $1,500 a show, all the way up to $30,000 a show. And then with two chains, I said, I'm going to drive around to every radio station. I drive from every radio station from Jackson, Mississippi, all the way to Washington, D.C., and stand outside the radio station to beg the promoter to play our music. So if somebody's having a hard time getting things off the ground, for example, today I launched my podcast. What was I doing all morning? Hand DMing every single one of my followers. By hand. Literally by hand. That's what I would advise. And I'm, I, I have a game plan. I said, if I, if I reach out to 200 people a day and, 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 and 60 of them, you know, listen, and then 10 of them become loyal followers, 10 times 365. Like I'm like doing my math, like loyal, loyal followers. I'm like, wow, we could have a lot by the end of this year, but I have to be that factory worker. So then beautiful things happen, like uh, with Travis Porter, like Young Dro dissed us, and like that helped us because we were able to get on World Star. I remember. Like we were now like wow, like I couldn't account for Young Dro dissing us, right. which was great because it gave us attention. But with Two Chains, uh, we had a song called um, "I'm Riding Around, I'm Getting It." It's mine. I spend okay. it. Yep. And we were struggling before that to get it off the ground. Really? And it got off the ground, BET Weekend, in Club Compound, Diddy and T.I. get into an argument about vodka or whatever. Like, like T.I.'s like, Diddy, shut up about your drink. And then Diddy and T.I. are going back and forth. But the DJ's dropping the record in the background, in between their argument. And that made it viral on the internet. So now our song took off. I could not account for that. But what I could account for was passing out those CDs every single night to get it to that point to where that DJ could drop that record in the middle of an argument that then would make us viral. Or I got Travis Porter to the point where Young Dro even knew our name to diss us Mm -hmm. because of all the MySpace comments. So that's my advice. 
Sorry for no like surprising no, secret. That's dope, though. But that's what I've lived and I'm still living it. When we get done with this interview, I'm going to go back to Instagram. I'm going to DM everybody. And I don't copy and paste any message. No, you actually have to talk to people. Yeah. Like, I call it I call it mom status marketing. If, who's the closest person in our lives usually? Mama. Why? Because they love us and they nurture and care about us. Why? Because they love us. They want to see us do good. Because we are connected to our moms. Literally connected. Literally. So connection is the secret to somebody loving us. In marketing, in business, we have to take somebody who's a complete stranger and try to move them as close to being our mom as possible. Mom is always going to be the closest. But our goal is to get them to that status. Mom loves us more than anybody how do I take a stranger and get them to love us like our mom does? Some like Justin Bieber has a lot of mom fans. Oh yes. Not they're they're little girls, but they're moms. They're gonna support everything he does, yeah. even if he made the worst song ever. Our mom's gonna say, "Oh baby, I love that song." Their biggest fan is gonna say the same thing. Yeah. So I call those biggest fans moms, whether they're guys, girls, yeah. old or young. They're moms. So that's our goal. How do we have as many moms as possible that will support everything we do? There's got to be a real connection in order for that to happen. Right. And um, that's what just talking to people does. It forms a connection. That is, that is great. That is so great. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I'm just getting a lot of good insight here. I hope you guys are taking notes. You know, this might be – I need to put in the intro to go ahead and take some notes because you're going to get a lot of games today. Um, but – so, I mean, so what's next? I mean, you got the podcast going. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, I feel like that's, that's within the mission of transforming a million lives. Mm-hmm. So what else do you want to do? You know, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of missions. There's going to be a lot of touching. I want to go speak everywhere, just like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And I want to solve that issue so right. where people don't feel alone afterwards. Right. I want to speak at colleges. I want to speak at high schools. I want to speak at corporations. I've realized if I walk in a room, there's about 95% of people are going through something. Mm-hmm. And nobody talks about it. Right. And a lot of the people who get on stage are so perfect, they don't talk about it either. Yes, exactly. But we're all going through something. And I want to go transform as best as I can. And it's going to take me a long time. It's going to take the rest of my life. But I got to start now. And I got to go get out there into the real world. And I also got to get on that microphone and do my podcast. And I got to get on that camera and speak. And I got to get out there on that road. And I got to go bike across America some more. And I got to go do these missions and live a life of honesty. If I'm going through something good, it's aspirational. If I'm going through something bad, it, 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 it really helps people to know how somebody who's going through something deals with it. So that's what I'm here to do. And um, I'm just at the beginning of my journey, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun life. I'm excited to watch. I know a lot of us are already rooting for you, so we're just like, damn, like, what's he going to do next? We just, we just want you to like, just be the very best that you can be. And you just brought up something that I just want to ask you about. When you said you were going through something, a few months ago you made a post, mm-hmm. and you said you had a social media addiction, mm-hmm. and you were taking some time off. A lot of us are dealing with that, and we may not even realize it. So what advice would you have to people who just can't seem to get off of social media and need to get off? I'm probably the worst. Um, 
I looked at my my battery and um, I was uh, on Instagram. This was before the new update where it'll tell you how much you're using Instagram. But the battery um, setting in the iPhone was like 27 hours one one week. I was like, oh my goodness, I am out of control. Mm -hmm. And I was so addicted to the information flow of other people's lives. And I thought back to when I transformed my life. Mm -hmm. When I wanted to go from CEO Charlie to Charlie Rocket and actually lose the weight, I actually got off Instagram for an entire year. I deleted the app. And when I stopped consuming other people's lives, there was only one to consume, (laughs) mine. So I had to, like, it it actually slowed my brainwaves down. I got out of that, like, robot mode, and I was actually able to have an imagination again. Because the Instagram is built on an algorithm and the algorithm takes something that you like and then shows you everything that's like that Mm -hmm. so for example social media knows to feed us candy candy is something that looks good and tastes good but if we eat too much of it we get And I said, I need to make a new algorithm for my life because I believe in the law of attraction. So if I like something in real life, the law of attraction is going to build an algorithm around it. And it's going to give me a whole bunch of that, just like Instagram does. Like if I like world star videos, now it's going to start showing me Daquan videos. Or if I like, you know, spiritual homegirl, it's going to show me something like that. Mm -hmm. So in order to start a new algorithm on Instagram, you basically have to get rid of everything. And start over and follow new people and like new things. And then it starts showing you new stuff, just like the law of attraction. So I wanted to do that in my life. I was like, okay, I need to get rid of everything. I got rid of meat. I got rid of television. I got rid of Instagram. I got rid of my city. I got rid of my business. I literally started from scratch. And I said, the first thing I'm going to like in my life, law of attraction, give me more of that. And it was health. I moved to Santa Monica, which I felt was the healthiest place in the world, so I wanted to move there. Mm -hmm. I wanted to attract health into my life. Boom. Then I wanted to be around thought leaders and people like yourself. Boom. And I just created this whole new algorithm around my life, and it it worked. So uh, getting off social media is is, is a big thing. Or unfollow everybody except people like yourself. And, um... Tell the algorithm that's what you want to attract and only consume regenerative content because, boy, the degenerative content, that candy, it looks good, it tastes good, but it makes you sick. But if you notice, what does all candy mimicking? Fruit. All candy mimics fruit. So why not just eat the fruit? Because it won't make you sick. freaking amazing like that's dope like you're right the algorithm of your life it's it's so relative it's like what god that was freaking smart fucking smart i mean i knew that but damn like that was like i'm sitting here like okay i have another question but i'm just processing everything and i'm like 
now I need to go through my following list because you're right. I'm like, I haven't gone through it in a while. And I'm like, damn, I probably need to go through my following list mm-hmm. on the strength. So get please, room off of there. don't get offended, y'all. Just letting you know in advance, okay? <laughs> we just trying to change the algorithm for our lives. You I feel love, me? I love Shade Room too, but I, what I did was I unfollowed Shade Room uh-huh. and I selectively go to it when I want to. Right. <laughs> it's addictive. A lot of that stuff can be. I know um, I had a homeboy that was addicted to like twerk videos. Well, he, he won't admit it, but I know he was. I know he was. I was like, gosh, because every time, like, he would tell me, hey, look at this. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And then I would see, like, you know, your timeline, it shows you all that type of stuff. His explore page was wild. I was like, damn, man, do you just watch swipe videos all day? He's like, I'll be bored at work. I'm like, all right, sir. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, I might be putting you on the spot because, I mean, books – I like books, but when somebody asks my favorite book, I have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any books that you would recommend people to read? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they're, they're usually based upon what's on that person's mind mm-hmm. at the time. So if somebody were to ask me, like, what's on their mind at the time, um, you know, there was, there was a book that I like stories. I like self-help, too. Self-help, most of the books I've read are self-help. But when I was getting fired from music over and over, I read this book from Barry Gordy called To Be Loved. And in that book, I learned, oh, it's not me why I'm getting fired, because he was the best in the world. And every single artist except two left him, and he was making them number one hits. It was Lil Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson were the only ones out of the hundreds of number one stars he made. Only two did not leave him. So I was like, all I need to do is find my two who are going to be loyal to me. And I found them, Travis Porter and 2 Chains. Everybody else left. Uh, Vistosal Bosses left. Jose Guapo left. Johnny Cinco left. Like, we just, you know, there was a lot of unloyal artists. But you know what? I found my two, just like Barry Gordy. Um, So I recommend people, you know, what's on their heart at that time. That spoke to me because I was getting fired. But there's books I love. Um, Start With Why. Um, by Simon Sinek. That's a great marketing book. It changed my outlook on like, should I be a gimmicky marketer or like a purposeful marketer? Right. Um, I'm actually uh, releasing a book soon. I was going to ask you because I feel like you, you need to write a book and you haven't done so. I'm excited about that. The book is called The Life and Death of CEO Charlie and um, it's finished. 50,000 words written. I've, um, I'm, I'm interviewing publishing companies to see if I even want to go that route. Right. If you listen to my latest podcast, I talk about I'm very open and honest about what I'm going through. And I might not even go through a publishing company because it just seems like a record. It seems like record labels. It seems a lot like record labels. And I don't like record labels. So, um, yeah, uh, writing that book. I'm also writing a book called The I Am You Theory, which is based upon like the Jesus and the the Spider-Man analogy and the Michael Jordan analogy. And in marketing, we shouldn't be saying, I'm so perfect, I'm so perfect, I'm so perfect, follow me. We should be saying, I'm just like you, I'm just like, because the most successful people in the world, like Oprah, what's so, why do we love her so much? She's human. Her story, well, for one, like her her upbringing, her childhood was, she's been through a lot. But if we look at something as simple as her weight, there's no, she's still just like us. Still to this day, billionaire and all. She's still just like us, and that's why we love her so much, not because she ever got to the finish line. She never got there. She might not ever, but that's what we love about her. 
So I'm more going to write the book that teaches people that being human is the secret to marketing. Where in social media, we think being perfect is the secret. But everybody's got it wrong. Because the biggest in the world are not perfect. There's only a couple, and that's like Kim Kardashian and a couple <laughs> people. They, a couple <laughs> people have figured it out. But a couple people have also won the lottery. Right. You can't, right. You can't control winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. So I want to put my bets on being a Kim Kardashian. Right. I would, I would, I would sign up for the the Spider Man, Oprah, Michael Jordan. There's more of those. So yeah. That's dope. That's so dope. So um. I know that, you know, not to, like, rush the date, but do you have, like, a time frame of when you want to put the book out? Within a year, two years? Within the year. With yes. Oh, within before, the year. Before summertime. Oh, so you're talking about within, like, six months. It's done. Oh, well, damn. Okay, well, do your thing. Yeah. Uh, I will be on the pre-order list once that happens, and mm-hmm. I will go ahead and pre-order a book for you two. You meaning if you win this contest. Hey. Go, I'm going to keep this in mind, so please keep that in mind. So I will order a book, and I'll order a book for one of my listeners so i'm really excited and is there anything else that you want the world to know about charlie rocket i would say you know keep following along with the journey with me um i'm always like open honest vulnerable if i'm going through something i just talk about it and try to teach people um my instagram is at charlie Ooh, which was very very quantum how that came about i love telling this story so um it was back in january i was telling my friend you know what, I'm going to run for president in 2032. Okay. And I want to run on a first-name basis, like Oprah. Like, <laughs> I just want to be known as the Charlie. Yes. You don't even have to say my last name, just Charlie for president. And a week later, I woke up, and I got a DM from an employee at Instagram. And that employee said, love what you're doing to inspire people. Nobody has the name Charlie, and we've been holding on to it. We want to give it to you. Just add Charlie. I called my friend back and was like, that whole first name thing might be real. But it just it just came to me just like that. That is so dope. So it just seems like, because you would think, if you didn't know you, you would think, oh, okay, well, former music exec, whatever, he uses connections, he uses network. But to me, it sounds like it was the complete opposite. You were like, I'm out the game. I mm-hmm. got to start from scratch completely. And it seems like, I could be, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. But it seems like you were just more like, I want this so bad in my heart center mm-hmm. that I got to get it done. And mm-hmm. that feeling is how you projected and brought everything to mm-hmm. you. It's just been on and cracking since then. That heart, it's a radio dial. You tune it to the station you want and it comes. Oh, I love it. It makes me so happy. Y'all have no idea how happy I am to be interviewing. Like, I knew it was going to be a good interview. But once you started speaking, like, I had no idea you was, I mean, I kind of knew you might have been into quantum, but, like, you, like, really, like, mm-hmm. like with the shits with it. Oh, I believe. Dope. I believe big. That is so dope. Okay, so is there any other way that people can get in touch with you? You got Instagram at Charlie. Got the podcast. Um, so I just searched Charlie Rocket Show mm-hmm. on the podcast store or Spotify or SoundCloud, and, um. Yeah, I just talk about cool things and tell cool stories. I love storytelling. So podcast is good for me because it gives me time to talk. Instagram, I love, but it's limiting to the value I can provide. I agree. I do as best as I can, but I really, like, today is day one for podcasts. So it was a great day. When you came over, I was like, today is a great day. Like, <laughs> So I feel, I feel this was just, this was one of the best interviews I've done because we got to talk about magic. 
And that's my favorite thing to talk about. Well, if you want to come back, you know you can. Let's talk more about it. Let's go on the next one. Let's go deeper. I want to learn from you. I want to learn more because I want to believe bigger. The more examples I hear and the more I learn, the bigger I believe. So I need more. You already know. It's an Eastside connection, too. You already know I fuck with you on the strength. All right, so with that being said, um, this has been a dope-ass episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast with Charlie Rocket. Sweet. And that was this week's episode with Charlie Rocket. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I really hope you guys learned something from it. Even during playback, I've gotten a lot of gems from it. And um, it was (laughs) – I'm still buzzing. Like, literally, that happened on Saturday. It's Thursday. And it was just, it was all vibes. And I'm not just saying that because it's in Aries. You know, I'm partial to my Aries because I'm an Aries too. But I was really um, super happy. And definitely look at, um, look at what Charlie has to offer. He's literally everywhere. Like so much inspiration. He's, the thing I love about Charlie is that he is so down to earth. He is just like you. And that's, that's my biggest that's my biggest takeaway from his interview. He done been up, $15 million business, starting over, transforming his life, and he's still just like you. And, you know, a spiritual homegirl, that's my entire get down. You know, spiritual homegirl, spirituality or bettering stuff and spirit from a homegirl just like you perspective. So it was really great to be able to um, get that perspective from him. So if you need to find me, you can do so at Spiritual Homegirl on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. SpiritualHomegirl.com, the way my mind is set up right now, this Mercury Retrograde has taught me that I am now getting back on my center. Normally, Mercury Retrogrades knock you off your center and you're a little lost and things are mumble-jumbled and you're having communication issues with folks and things like that. I haven't really had those issues, but what I have realized is that I – and more off my square than I thought. And this retrograde has kind of been putting me in situations to where I have to get back on my square, if that makes sense. So I've actually been doing a lot better since retrograde started than before. Um, so I'm just really grateful for that. But going back to spiritualhomegirl.com, that website's been up for two years. I'm tired of it, and I need to take it down and destroy that and rebuild it to a place where I feel like spiritual homegirl should be. So we're going to definitely get rid of that website sooner than later. Also, Make Peace with the Day Packs are going to go live in a few days. I felt like if I was going to launch something in terms of aromatherapy packs, merch, in terms of shirts, tote bags, the whole nine, or even packs that combine the two, I didn't want to half-ass it. And I didn't want to half-ass it for the sake of a Cyber Monday or a Small Business Saturday or a Black Friday so I wanted to regroup, and if I was going to do this, I wanted to do it right. I'm also a meditation teacher, so I said, you know what? If I'm going to offer one thing, I'm just going to offer everything because some things, you know, some people want certain things. I've got an interest in both, so I'm like, you know what? Let's just launch all of it. So definitely stay tuned to that. If you want to sign up for Tribe Letter, you can do so at spiritual.com because that will still be up as we're rebuilding the website. And um, cheers to the rebirth. That's what retrogrades are for, right? Introspection, reflection, and then when it's go time, it's go time. Oh, yeah. One more thing, too, about retrograde. Retrograde, I know people go through things in life, and they say, oh, it was just Mercury and retrograde. With spiritual homegirl, I just 
want to remind people that the point of the retrogrades happening, because we've gone through dozens of retrogrades in our lifetime, or we will by, by the time, you know, by the time we leave the physical plane, but retrogrades are there to help, the way I look at it at least. Again, you know, everybody has their own lens on this. But I look at retrogrades as a reminder to slow down if we already haven't. Sometimes we live a life of hustle and bustle, full social calendars, work, spouse, kids, school, everything. And we just keep going and going. And sometimes we forget that time actually passes. Like, a lot of people are like, y'all, November went by quick as hell. You know what I mean? It's because we saw on the move. It's hard for us to slow down and observe what's going on around us. And I think those retrogrades, sometimes they do put our life out of whack to kind of snap us back to reality and be like, hey, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time here on the journey? Are you being productive? Are you growing? Are you actually nurturing the relationships you need to? Are you actually being at the places you need to be at? So I think with retrograde, that's kind of been um, our time to kind of step back in the situations we have, at least, again, from my opinion, the situations we go through in terms of the the little snafus and stuff, I think that's just more of a um, an invitation to kind of Zoom, zoom in in terms of what, what this is. What is the purpose of this? Is it adding value or is it taking it? Do you really want to fuck with this right now? Is it really worth your time and your energy and all the effort that you put into it thus far? So that's just kind of been my take in retrograde. People ask me how do I handle it. That's exactly how I handle it. And I'm going to take a lot of alone time too if I can um, just so I can kind of sit still and assess what's around me. It's easy to do when you're able to take your phone away and um, just find a cool place to just kind of be a safe place because every I mean sitting alone in the dark is one thing or sitting in a coffee shop is another thing but going to a place that you know gives you good energy or a place that you know you feel good at and you feel safe and you can just be free to be I think that's what helps me introspect more so I know people have been DMing me asking me about that so there's your answer but um, but yeah that's about it I just wanted to Get that little note for retrograde so you guys know where to find me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Spiritual Homegirl. You can sign up for the mailing list. I do a free tribe letter every Monday to help you start your week off right. You can do that at spiritualhomegirl.com if you want to sign up. And my meditation teacher services and my merchandise in terms of my Make Peace with the Day Packs will be coming out very soon. But um, that's it, y'all. I don't want to hold y'all too long. We had such a long interview. I would hate to... <laughs> make this an hour and a half long episode on the shit to be just talking but i'm gonna wrap it up here this is another episode of the spiritual homegirl podcast my name is maria and remember trust the journey and trust yourself peace